Hey, Grounded High School students. Today, we're going to talk about drifting. And no, I don't mean Tokyo drift drifting. I mean drifting away from the Lord. Stay tuned. Well, hey there, high school students. Welcome back to a brand new podcast. Today, we're talking about drifting away from Jesus and how to not do that. Okay, so if you have a Bible near you, open up to Hebrews chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. That was Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. And now, just turn over to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. It says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, Beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So here, Peter gives us sort of a progression. And the first part of that progression was that we would slip from our own steadfastness and then, as a result, be led away with the error of the wicked. And in order to stop that, what Peter says we need to do is to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, growing in the grace of knowledge of Jesus Christ is only something that can be done through Bible reading. And so look at your Bible reading like an anchor to your soul. As you spend time reading the Word of God, of course, according to Romans chapter 12, verses 2 and three, it's transforming and renewing your mind. That's tantamount to growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's where it begins. And then there's the daily disciplines that we employ as Christians to stay close to Jesus, right? Having a daily devotional time, spending time in prayer, uh, making sure that all throughout the day we're living for Jesus, not just, okay, I spent my 10 minutes with Jesus in the morning and now I go live my life how I want to live my life. No, it's a connect point. So look at that time reading your Bible as time that you're growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But then after that, there's got to begin to be throughout the day and every day the practical application of what you've learned that morning in God's Word. So if you're reading through 1 John and he's talking about walking in light or walking in dark, then you read it and then you go do it. If the Bible says not to gossip, for example, and, and you found yourself you know, kind of in these scenarios where you're tempted to gossip or you have gossip, that you repent of it, and then you live differently so that you continue to walk in the light. So the knowledge then gets put into practice. Now, this drifting away is something that can happen when we put our Bible down, even just for a day, right? Because that's where it starts. And then the day turns into three days, into 10 days, into a month could possibly be a year and sometimes even multiples of years where we just haven't read, we haven't spent time with the Lord, and we're out living and doing our own thing. Now, in this scenario, James would say that we need to repent and we need to draw near to God, and the Bible says he will draw near to us. In John chapter 1, verse 9, we're told that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. 
So let's use Samson as an example for a moment. Samson is a great picture of a believer who has compromised. Now, the Bible says in Galatians, not to be deceived because God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. It goes on to say, if we sow to the flesh, we will of the flesh reap corruption. But if we sow to the spirit, we will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Now, Samson is a picture of this because Samson is a, is a believer, right? He's taken a Nazarite vow. He hasn't cut his hair. He's not supposed to touch dead bodies, and he's not supposed to eat or drink anything from the vine. And then what do we see throughout Samson's life? Well, you see him drinking. We see Samson uh, taking honey from a lion, touching a dead corpse. And all along, these little compromises are adding up into one big compromise. And that big compromise was Delilah. So now he's got a woman who's an agent of the Philistines who wants to take Samson captive because he's being used by God to judge the Philistines and they can't do anything against him because of his great strength. So what happens? She begins to wear him down. Now remember, he's not growing close to the Lord. He's not seeking the Lord. He is just in his own flesh trying to resist the temptation of this absolutely, probably knockout, gorgeous woman. And she's, and he's always in a compromising position, right? And so she asks him what's the secret of his strength, and he keeps giving her these things that are obviously not true. And then he starts to kind of hone in on the fact that he thinks all his strength comes from his hair. And so he tells her, if you, if you weave my hair into this thing, you know, I'll become weak like any other man. And of course, that's not true. And then finally, the last thing he tells her is that he has never cut his hair. So if she cuts off his hair, he'll be weak like any other man. And see, it wasn't his hair that was his strength. It was the Holy Spirit. But you see, getting his hair cut was the last straw. It was the major symbol of the Canaanite vow that, not the Canaanite, the Nazarite vow that he had taken. And so he gets his hair shorn while he's asleep. And when he wakes up, he is weak as any other man. And the Bible says that he did not know that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. That, to me, is one of the saddest scriptures in the entire Bible, that the Spirit departed from him and he didn't know it. That is terrifying. So we see in the end, though, in the last moment, as he obviously has a change of heart, his eyes have now been put out. He's a grinder in, in this prison, and he's brought in for entertainment. And he knocks down this, this, these pillars of this great auditorium where everybody was. And he ends up taking out a bunch of Philistines with him. So in the end, we see he makes a change. But all up until that point, we just see nothing but compromise after compromise after compromise. And that's not a place that we want to live as Christians. You see, God didn't design us to just live our lives trying not to sin. God has designed us uh, to live for him. And then Jesus Christ set us free from our sins. So I don't have to live for the impulses or desires of my flesh. I can live for the glory of God. Paul says, whatever I do, do it wholeheartedly as to the Lord. Now, I can't sin wholeheartedly unto the Lord, of course, but anything else that I do, I can do wholeheartedly unto the Lord. And so I want my life to bring glory to God. So in order to keep from drifting away, 
I've got to take care of my time with the Lord daily. I've got to make sure that that's a priority. So grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I promise you, if you do that, you won't find yourself drifting. You won't find yourself going, why do I, I feel so far from God? And by the way, there's, this has been posed in this way before. If you feel far from God, guess who moved? See, going back to James, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I hope that that helps you stay near Jesus, especially in the days in which we live. Christian, it's more important now than at any other time in our recent history that we stay close to Jesus. I'll tell you what, he is coming soon and I look forward to seeing him face to face. I hope you do too. Could be any day now that we find ourselves face to face with Jesus. So live for him. God bless you. We'll see you next time.